1: Everybody, I'm Helen Tuffer, and I'm Sarah Ellis, and you're listening to the Squiggly Careers Podcast. Each week, Sarah and I talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss lots of practical ideas and actions to help you develop in your career and be successful in the squiggly world of work that we're all experiencing. And today's topic is flow. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about what flow is and why it matters and how to develop it and all that great stuff. But before we do that, just want to let you know that if you do enjoy this episode and if it's a topic that maybe you'd like to learn a bit more about or go a bit deeper. Every week, Sarah and I do Pod Plus. So it happens on the Thursday. So this episode it will be Thursday, the 30th of July. And Sarah will be doing that one because I'm actually going to be on holiday. But Outrageous. I know, how I've left about <laughs> flow. How do you go on flow, Helen? I go on holiday and leave Sarah to do it. <laughs> um, so Sarah's going to be talking about how some of the models that we're talking about in today's session and practical ways that you can put flow into action. It will be a live session. It's a 30-minute Zoom. You can join it. You can just listen. You can participate. But Sarah will basically draw out some of the different exercises. So if it helps you to see some sort of visual illustrations of the things that we're talking about and maybe be connected to a community of learners then join pod plus for all of the information either go to the description wherever you found this podcast you'll find a description and a link or if that fails go to www.amazingiflearning.com and you'll find all the details to join pod plus
2: so let's start by exploring a bit about what do we mean by flow we probably all intuitively have felt it previously and it's probably something we all want a bit more of i think when you do get into flow it's a really kind of intense moment of concentration I think it's almost where everything else that's happening at work or just in your life generally disappears into the background I almost imagine it kind of becomes almost a bit blurry and you you almost lose a sense of how long you've been spending on something because you're just so focused and absorbed by what it is that you're doing and I think it's probably harder than ever before to find flow because there's more stuff. There's more stuff around Mm. us that's potentially (laughs) that we've got to keep away or stop to really kind of find these moments. But it's really worth it because when we do spend time and flow, the quality of our work is so much higher. So it's when we produce our most unique work, we find it really rewarding. We're really present, that idea of kind of being really absorbed. And actually it really links to well-being, to kind of how we just feel about ourselves. It's that sense of satisfaction I think you get from a job really well done where you've really put all your energy and efforts into something, you know, really almost like kind of lost yourself to it and then think, actually, do you know what, that was really worth it. I'm really kind of proud of what it is that I've produced. One of the people who's contributed most to the work on Flow is Mihai Mihaly Mihai, And he's a psychologist and he says that The best moments in our lives are not the passive, receptive, relaxing times. The best moments usually occur if a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. So this is definitely not something that's easy and it's not something that we will probably ever have all of the time, but it is something that when we kind of get it, I think it's when we find significance and meaning in the work that we do, which is something I think most of us are looking for. And so today's episode, we're going to talk through two things. First of all, we're going to start by talking about Mihai's eight characteristics of flow. So to really give you an overview of his thinking, his research and work and set the context. I think that was really helpful kind of framing for today's conversation. And then we're going to share four very practical ways to help you find your flow at work.
1: So I'm going to talk through the eight characteristics of flow so that you can get an idea of all the different things that contribute to being in this state of flow. So the first one is having complete concentration on a task. So where you haven't got distractions, you're not multitasking. I find that quite hard, but you are like (laughs) in the zone. You're doing one thing completely concentrated on that task. So the second thing is that you've got clear goals. So you sort of know why you're focusing on that task and what the outcome of you focusing on it is. So, for example, Sarah and I might focus for a day on writing a chapter of a book. And we know that's the thing that we get at the end of that. You also have the reward in mind. So we think, oh, it's something that I can send off to my editor and she'll give me some smiley faces if she's listening. <laughs> a smiley faces on that chapter. <laughs> and that you get as close as possible to immediate feedback. So you get this loop going where you've got goal, reward, feedback, goal, reward, feedback. So that's a big part of flow. The third thing, being in a characteristic, a state of flow, is that time is transformed, which sounds like magical, this flow state. (laughs) Um, But it's that thing that Sarah's talking about, about where things get a bit blurry. So maybe it feels like it's speeding up. Maybe you sat down at your desk at nine o'clock and before you know it, it's lunch. Or maybe it feels like everything's slowed down. It's got calmer and you can just focus and maybe you've got more control of how time is passing. But flow has sort of like a transformative effect on how you spend time. The fourth is that the thing that you're doing when you're in flow, it feels intrinsically rewarding. You, you love doing it. You feel passionate. You feel like you've learned and developed. Whatever that reward thing is for you, you feel it internally. It gives you that kind of warm, fuzzy, my time has been well spent feeling. The fifth thing, a characteristic of flow, is that it feels effortless and easy. Now, I find this quite interesting because when Sarah talked about Mihai's definition, and it's like, it's minds being stretched to its limits to accomplish something difficult. I find it quite interesting that he says that as a definition, but he also says that it's effortless and easy. So that's one of the ones that I kind of go, oh, I don't know if my mind being stretched to its limit in a voluntary effort always feels easy. But apparently when we do things that maybe it's because they come to us naturally and we enjoy them, them. maybe it feels a bit easier than struggling over something that we don't have a natural talent in not sure, that's the fifth one the sixth is that there is a balance between it being challenging and it being a skill so when you're in a state of flow It's not something that you will just do all the time. So let's say something that you might be naturally good at. Maybe you're really good at presenting, for example. You're really good at presenting to your team. You do it a lot. You do it every week. You lead the team meeting. That is a skill that you've got. You're really confident in doing that. Flow is actually not just doing that on repeat. Flow is a balance between the skill that you've got, but also a challenge. So an element of stretch. So it feels like you're introducing a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of challenge. The seventh thing is where action and awareness is merged. So seventh characteristic, action and awareness is merged. And what that means is that you don't ruminate, so you don't worry, you're not thinking about what other people are thinking about you. So if I go to the example of writing a book chapter, for example, something that would be counter to flow would be if every time I start typing out a sentence, I think, or what would Sarah think about this? Or "Mm, is this what my editor's going to think? You know, I'm ruminating on what other people are thinking. Whereas, actually, if I'm taking action and I'm kind of aware of what I'm doing and I'm staying very present, then that's something that contributes towards flow. And the eighth characteristic. If you're not already too overwhelmed, we will break these down shortly. But the eighth characteristic is that you feel like you've got control over the task. So again, if Sarah was trying to micromanage me, which she does all the time, everybody, I need a squiggly career support group. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) But if Sarah was trying to micromanage me, then I wouldn't feel like I had control. And actually, when you're in flow, it's about you choosing to do the thing that you're doing. You're enjoying it. You're being deliberate about your time. You're being deliberate about your your efforts, because you want to do it. And so that element of control is an important aspect of it. So Sarah, I think they're interesting
2: characteristics, but there's quite a lot of detail in them. What what are your reflections, having heard me talk through them? I think the one area that stands out for me where there's potentially some tension, or I'd want to explore it a bit further, is this idea, and you've kind of mentioned it around ease and easy. And I wonder if there's a distinction between when we're doing something that is highly challenging, we're using our skills, we've got control over that task. It's perhaps not easy, but perhaps there is a sense of ease. It's us at our best and it feels like we're kind of doing the thing that we're meant to be doing, like we found the work that kind of means something to us and that's why it has the kind of feeling of ease and effortlessness versus going, oh, this is really easy Mm -hmm. because everything I've read about flow does connect these ideas of Strength and stretch. I think it's those two ideas coming together is kind of one of the prerequisites of determining a characteristic for flow. and And he comes back to that a lot. And in other things I've read, that comes up consistently. Perhaps that's a nuance that's kind of worth thinking about. Because what I wouldn't want people to think is when you get into these kind of states of flow, it's going to just be so easy, it's like
1: nirvana,
2: uh, exactly. <laughs> and I I'm thinking about all of the examples that I came up with personally about when I feel most in flow. I think there's something about I feel at ease and there's a sense of, oh, this is me at my best or getting to my best. But I do think that's different thinking, oh, this is just dead easy.
0: Yeah, it's
2: probably a language point, but I think perhaps that's where he's trying to get to with it. I realise I'm making some guesses without actually asking him which would be the best thing to do. (laughs)
1: we'll just email him and see what he thinks. For me, how I feel after I've been in flow is that I actually feel quite tired. It's not that I'm drained, but I know that I've worked. I feel like I've put quite a lot of me, quite a lot of effort into that flow moment. I don't particularly feel energised and go, oh, I could spend another three hours in flow. I'm sort of grateful for that time, (laughs) but I'm also quite tired and I maybe actually need to go and do something that is easy afterwards. I definitely look back at the times that I've been in flow and think, wow, that was worthwhile and I did do work that I'm proud of in those times
2: so shall we move on to four practical ways that we've come up with that we think will help you find your flow let's do it so the first one is a two by two matrix and whenever we see a two by two (laughs) matrix we know that we have to leave helen to talk it through because (laughs) that's part of how she finds her flow so over to you helen
1: That is, do you know? I think that's true. I really like I know, sitting down and true. taking
2: an article and then
1: just thinking about how can I turn this into a model. It's some like really weird <laughs> geeky thing that I've developed myself. So, what is this two by two matrix that we developed all about? So, it's about how do you find your flow? And I am going to try and draw this visual for you over through the medium of the podcast. But if you've got a pen and paper, <laughs> maybe draw it as we go. So, imagine um, two axes, and on one we're talking about time. And on the other axis, we're talking about challenge. So when we're talking about time, at one end, we've got where time is really unconscious, like you're not aware of time at all, just passes without you thinking. And the other is time is very conscious. You're basically watching the clock. So that's kind of one bit we're thinking about. And then you've got challenge. On challenge, at one end, you've got low challenge. So where something takes low effort, it's not very demanding of you. And at the other end, we've got high challenge. So where it feels difficult and it takes deliberate effort. So they're kind of the different things that we're working with in our matrix. What that results in is four different quadrants for your flow. Bear with me, everybody, it will make sense. So the first thing is where time is unconscious. So you don't think about time at all, but where there's low challenge. So maybe if you think about how you're spending your time, you might think, well, how much time do I spend where I'm not thinking about my time, but it's kind of low challenge for me, low effort. If that's the case, then what you're really doing is you're working on autopilot. The work is easy, you don't have to think about it, it's not particularly testing for you, you don't think about your time. The challenge with that, if that's where you're spending quite a lot of your career time, is that it's a missed opportunity for your growth. If every day, or every hour of your working day, you're kind of spending it on autopilot, you might be missing chances for you to learn, develop, test yourself, but also you might be introducing a bit of career vulnerability because if you're constantly on autopilot, you might be missing opportunities other people and things might be changing around you and you might not be changing with it so that's kind of the first quadrant the next one is where there's low challenge So just like that last one, there's low challenge, but time is conscious. So you're not feeling like developed, you're not feeling like you're growing, but you are clock watching. Every minute feels like an hour. This zone is really like the boredom zone. The risk here is that you're going to stagnate. You're not challenged, you're clock watching. You might make errors because you're just getting really bored. And also you've probably got quite low engagement. So that's not a great zone for us to be spending time in. Then we've got our third zone is where time is conscious so you're clock watching you're kind of very aware of those minutes those hours but it's also very challenging This is the effort zone. So you're thinking, gosh, this is really, really hard. You know, it's four o'clock, it's five o'clock. You are aware of how much time you spent in this zone, but potentially it might be quite draining because it's very demanding of you. The effort zone is quite hard to maintain over the long term. So it's not a bad place to spend some of your time. But actually, if you're spending all of your time where it's really demanding of you and you're really conscious of every day that you're spending, then I've had jobs like this, actually. It can lead to burnout at worst it might lead to some anxiety about your performance might introduce some stress into your work so that's if you're in that zone for a prolonged period of time and you might have guessed where we're going by now but where time is unconscious and there is also a high element of challenge that's our last quadrant that's when you're in flow so that's the period where you know you're not aware of how much time has gone but you definitely feel like you've worked that's the example that I was talking about that's when you are in the zone you're indistractable you're in flow and what we want you to do is think about those four different zones so the autopilot the boredom the effort and the flow and then reflect on an average working week and think about how much time are you spending in each of those zones and specifically what
2: are the activities that you are doing Um, Have you done it, (laughs) Helen? I was like, if you're going to ask listeners to do it, I feel like, you know, if you're going to make everybody do a two-by-two quadrant, what percentages do you think you would be, roughly? So I spend very little time in the low-challenge Clock watching. So that's the boredom
1: box. I spend very little time in that one at all. I spend like a small bit of time on autopilot. So don't really think about my time, low challenge. That's like my inbox. <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. kind of going through everything there. Majority of my time is spent on either effort or flow. And I actually think I spend the majority of my time in effort. So high challenge, but where I'm thinking, okay, I've got an hour on this and I've got 20 minutes on this. I'm very aware of the amount of time that I spend on it and it feels quite difficult all the time. And I think my reflections when i looked at this and how i spend my time whether i would like to spend a bit less time in effort where i'm really kind of time boxing all the work that i'm doing and i'm creating a bit more time in flow there's definitely some things that i do in flow but i'd probably like to spend a bit more of my time in flow
2: so hopefully Helen there has painted a mental picture of that diagram. If you would like to borrow one that's pre-drawn for you, if you head over to Instagram where we're just at amazingif, we'll put it on Instagram. And I will also draw it on Pod Plus on Thursday if you do get a chance to join us there.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: So, action number two, a bit of a break from a framework, is really thinking about who you find flow with. And I find this interesting because I think it surprised me a bit. And I kind of assumed, I think, that flow was really an independent state. And it definitely is. So, you can find flow kind of by yourself. But actually, the research shows that flow is more enjoyable when you're connected to other people. So when there's a shared state of flow where it's interdependent rather than independent. So this is really thinking about find the people who are passionate about the same things as you and think about what are the projects that you're working at the moment within a team? You know, we all work within teams really now. Very few people work solo all of the time and think about where are our opportunities to find flow together what might those projects be so if you've done that two by two diagram you might go actually I can see that there are two or three projects here that would really benefit from us kind of finding that state of flow and then thinking about okay so what are some of the things that we might want to put in place and we're going to talk about some extra ideas on this that could actually really help us to all do that so I think here this is really thinking about both your individual flow opportunities and your collective flow opportunities. So do you know what they look like? And if you think actually there are some areas where I would like to find flow that perhaps don't fit with my day job or what I'm doing at the moment, think about where else you could discover that flow. So I was actually really reflecting on some volunteering that I did a couple of years ago with a group of people, none of whom I worked with in my day-to-day job. And what I was volunteering for was putting on some leadership events for a charity. So it wasn't related to my day-to-day either. I was working in marketing at that time. And I definitely found a shared state of flow with that group of people. And going back to some of the characteristics that Helen talked about, we had got very clear tasks. We got a really clear goal that we all really shared. I remember working on that and we'd often do it after work. And I would forget what time it was. So we'd meet up at like 6, 6.30 and suddenly it'd be nine o'clock and I'd think, oh, I've only got one train before my train stopped running. I can recognise a lot of those characteristics in the work that we all did together. And it's interesting because we all still get on really well and we often will reflect on that time and just go, I felt like it was all of us being at our collective best, but it wasn't easy. It was definitely still stretching and us all bringing our different kind of strengths together. So I think it's a really nice way to think about flow not just about yourself but also for the people around you
1: so let's move on to action number three and this is all about consciously creating your flow cycle so earlier on we talked about those eight characteristics we mentioned the importance of having clear goals and rewards and feedback and it's really about consciously building that into your work so let's think about four different areas goal plus action plus feedback plus reward We're drawing a cycle here. That's the things that we want to get to. And so if you're trying to do this for yourself, think about it in the context of your week, finding flow in your week. The first thing you'd want to do is think, well, what's a goal that I want to achieve this week? And then you might say, OK, and what is one action I could take today that would help me to achieve it? The third area on feedback, you might say, well, how and from who could I get feedback And the fourth area would be, how am I going to recognise and reward my efforts? And it's about asking yourself those questions so that you can consciously create your flow cycle. And I thought I'd give you a a real example from us so that I can kind of bring that to life a little bit. Relatively recently, we launched our online learning platform, AmazingIfLearning.com. And so I'll take that as my example. So a goal for me might be, this week, I'm going to create a new online course on AmazingIfLearning.com. That's my goal. The action I could take would be today I'm going to get a first draft of what that course looks like so that I can share it with Sarah by the end of the day. The feedback would be I'm going to ask Sarah to give me what's working well and what would be even better if feedback. And my reward might be, I'm going to have a night off tonight. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at my computer. As soon as I've sent that link to Sarah and asked for that feedback, I'm basically going to shut down until tomorrow and give myself a bit of a break. That might be a way that I could get some really great flow cycles in practice for my work in the working week.
2: So then the fourth and final action, where I think we've been a little bit sneaky because there's basically four actions in number four, (laughs) Um, so even more (laughs) ideas are what you can do to trigger these states of flow. So we've talked about for yourself, for the people around you, how you kind of get these cycles going. And Kotler, who is a kind of management leadership um, researcher and academic, he's identified these four triggers. And what we've tried to do is take these triggers and think about, okay, so what's an action that you could take to make these triggers happen? So let's go through each of these four. So the first one, which we've already talked about, is one flow trigger is social, is being together with a group where you enter a state of flow together. And actually, it's interesting. The example they give is a sports team. And when I think about flow initially, I had I went straight to team sports, those moments of where you're all absolutely trying to pursue the same thing together. And it's actually why I like team sports so much more than things kind of by myself. And I think the action and kind of the question that you could ask yourself is, who can you spend time with who will really help you to stay in flow? So this goes back to kind of the projects you might be working on in your day job, in your organisation, whether it's things you're doing kind of outside of work. But who almost can you aim to have this shared experience with? And you might even talk about it, you might even talk about, we're really passionate about this project or this goal. So we really want to find our flow. So What does that mean for both of us? We have actually talked very specifically about how do we use our time together so that we can help each other be in flow and also what that kind of looks and feels like for us both in terms of our own kind of personal preferences and personalities. The second flow trigger is about creativity and kind of thinking curiously and creatively. So how can you think differently about the challenges you're facing and approach them from a different perspective? And I think a really good practical action here that you can ask yourself is what can you read, watch and listen to that might give you a new or interesting perspective that you don't have today? I've probably talked before on the podcast, I'm sure, about something called meerkat moments. Often meerkat moments are when you kind of pop your head up and you look outside of your world for ideas and inspiration. I am always amazed by sometimes you can go really far away from what it is that you do, perhaps your discipline or your industry. To get really unique ideas or perspectives, you don't necessarily always connect the dots in that moment, but there's always kind of something in them. I always think there's always like a nugget of usefulness, even if you don't spot it straight away. And if that's something you're really interested in, I would really recommend following Adam Morgan, who's written a book called Beautiful Constraints. And there's some really good blogs and articles on their Eat Big Fish website and we'll make sure those resources are in the links for today's episode. But I've spent time with Adam a few in a few different kind of contexts. I've heard him speak, met up with him one-to-one. I've read his books. And I think he really helps to kind of frame how you might do this in kind of quite a structured way, if that might be useful for you. The third flow trigger is environmental. So this is external things, kind of qualities, that help you to find your flow. So almost like your physical environment, really thinking about and asking yourself, where can I spend time that's going to help me find my flow? So is it about moving to a different room in the house? When I'm trying to find flow, I do turn off everything. I turn off email, I I don't actually have notifications on anyway. I turn off email, I turn off my phone, I might even put my phone in a different room. So I'm just not even kind of tempted to see, you know, WhatsApp messages I've had in the last hour. I think this is giving yourself the best chance kind of possible of being kind of successful in finding that flow and you're kind of minimizing distractions Helen I know you kind of like to go to like a different place when you're writing particularly when we're kind of writing chapters of our book versus any other work that you do yeah, it's actually interesting that over the last couple of months, some of the places that I might have gone where I would have found flow have
1: sort of not been available to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they disappeared because I've basically had to find flow in a bedroom in my house. But what I have started to do is I've got this mobile desk. I talk about this all the time on Instagram, but I've got this mobile desk cost me like £30 off Amazon, everybody. And I move it around different places in the house when I'm doing different work. So sometimes if I kind of want to be more creative, like at the moment, I've been sat in front of a big window in my house with quite a lot of sun on me today. And that always makes me feel quite bright and creative and i've spent the day working virtually with sarah sometimes i go and work in a different room it's a little bit darker in my house and that's quite a good one if i want to like get in the zone because at the moment i can see people walking past and i sort of get distracted by what's outside but if i want to be in the zone i go in a different one so i've replaced i mean it's not quite as nice as the place i used to go before where you know someone would bring me a copper coffee and then i could get a nice biscuit i have to go and get those for myself but i've almost created zones within my house and i have made my desk mobile so that I can sort of artificially create some of those different environments for myself but it definitely has an impact on type of work that
2: I prefer to do in different places and then the fourth one is psychological triggers so these are internal triggers that help you to create more flow so a good practical question to ask yourself is what will keep you motivated to stay in flow and we have talked about flow is hard there's almost a moment I think before you get to flow, where it feels really hard or perhaps a bit frustrating. And that's kind of talked about in a lot of the research that you kind of, your brain has to get through those moments of feeling maybe a bit stuck. Oh, this is quite tricky. This is really stretching me. And you've got to stick with it, essentially. You've got to stay and stick to discover that flow. And at those moments where it might be easier to give up, to avoid, to check your phone... What's going to keep you going? It probably won't be the task in that moment. It'll be something bigger. It'll be the, well, what am I ultimately hoping to achieve here? Or why does this matter to me? What's really important to me about doing this thing that's hard? And actually connecting to that intrinsic motivation, to that internal trigger, might just help you to kind of keep going for that little bit longer. And then actually suddenly... It's not about, oh, I'll just keep going for another half an hour. It's actually a couple of hours have gone past and I managed to kind of get myself into that state of flow. I really find this when I'm doing any writing. Starting writing is really hard. I'm never sure the quality of my writing is that good for the first half an hour or an hour. And there's just something about just staying with it, not allowing yourself to go and do anything else. And then suddenly sometimes I do find, oh, actually, I've now been writing for three hours, particularly the stuff in the last hour, hour and a half, starts to get into kind of some really good quality like thinking and work and then I kind of can stay in flow and then to Helen's point you then need a break <laughs> So the aim
1: here, having talked through those four practical actions, is for you to spend more time in flow. It's not about spending all of your time in flow. I don't think that's really a reality. And I think that would be quite hard to do, to be honest. But it's definitely about spending more of your time in flow. And we shared, I'll just recap quickly for you, those four actions. So the first one is about finding your flow, about sort of thinking about what activities create flow for you at the moment and how much time you're spending doing it. The second one was about independent versus interdependent flow you okay. The third action we talked about was about consciously creating your flow cycle. And that last one that Sarah just talked about was about thinking about those four different flow triggers. So we hope that has been useful for you. It's given some things for you to think about. As Sarah said, if you do want that two by two matrix, if that would help you, then go to at AmazingIf on Instagram or join Pod Plus on Thursday. And next week, you're going to hear me talking to three different people about the topic of race at work. And that is a podcast that's going to be about conversations about race at work and creating cultures that support diversity. The three people that I interview in that episode are Zara Mahmoud, she's the campaign manager for race at Business in the Community, Vanessa Below, who is a diversity and belonging consultant, and Tolu Forento, who is the head of ethnicity and social mobility at Utopia. It's a really rich conversation. We talk about things like why conversations about race feel hard for people. How some of the language can be really helpful, but also sometimes can hinder some of the conversations we might want to have how individuals and managers and leaders might all have different but equally valuable conversations about race and then also what we need to do to create long-term cultural change so it's a really big topic but we tried to make it as practical as possible so there are lots of insights the guests all share different frameworks and charters and things that you can put into place so we really hope that this is a podcast that you will listen to and it will support you taking action on this topic at work.
2: So thank you so much for listening. As ever, if you get five minutes to do us a quick favour, rating, reviewing, subscribing goes a long way to help other people to find us and makes our week. But that's everything for this week and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye.